Hello, and this is Search for Truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Martin, and shortly I'll introduce Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher. In this series called Five Sacred Solos, we've been considering the historic events which brought about the re-establishment of five vital tenets of the Christian faith. And we've been returning to the Bible to explore the evidence for those vital truths which stand alone in Christian doctrine. In the last four weeks, we've re-examined Sola Scriptura, only the Bible, faith alone, Christ alone, and grace alone. And finally today, it's Solideo Gloria, glory to God alone. So now, let's hear from Brian. Thanks, John. As soon as the organist had finished playing, an appreciative listener praised the wonderful skill that had been displayed. The organist, however, replied, saying, There is nothing very wonderful about it. You only have to hit the right notes at the right moment, and the instrument does the rest. Who was the modest organist? None other than Johann Sebastian Bach, the master musician, who also said music's only purpose should be the glory of God and the recreation of the human spirit. And Bach's own life was consistent with his beliefs. Although his was a musical genius only found perhaps once in a century, he chose to live an obscure life. Only once in his 65 years did he actually take a job where his brilliance brought him to the world's notice. For a while he worked as Kapellmeister of the court of Prince Leopold. But such surroundings were a distraction to him. He soon left again to accept a lowly position. The attitude and conduct of Johann Sebastian Bach is a good example of what we want to talk about today in this final talk in our series on five sacred solos. The title refers to five great truths or teachings rediscovered at the time known as the Reformation period in Europe. You'll have guessed, perhaps, then, that our final motto from that Reformation time is Soli Deo Gloria, or Glory to God Alone. What has come to be known as the Westminster Shorter Catechism was written in the 1640s by English and Scottish churchmen. Its purpose was to educate people in matters of doctrine. It has a simple question-and-answer format to make things easier to remember. The Catechism is made up of 107 questions and answers. The most famous of the questions is the first. It asks, what is the chief end of man? To which the answer is given, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man's chief end was perfectly demonstrated in the greatest ever human life. The greatest human life this planet has ever seen was that of Jesus Christ. In every possible way, God was glorified through the perfect life of Christ. It's John's Gospel which emphasises this, as he writes to declare that Jesus Christ is fully God as well as fully human. So when telling us about the first ever miracle Jesus did, John has this to say in chapter 2 verse 11. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. In other words, God's glory was displayed in Jesus' life. I am reminded of the Apostle Paul's words later in the Bible when he said, Whatever you do, and it was in connection with eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. That was certainly true of Jesus at the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee. Then one day John says, and he records it in chapter 9 and verse 1, that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, 
It was neither that this man sinned, nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God's works, as performed by Jesus Christ here in the healing of the blind man, were for God's own glory. The miracles performed by the Lord Jesus were not works which he himself chose to do for the sake of impressing the crowds. Far from it. Jesus describes them as the works which the Father has given me to accomplish. By doing them, the Son was glorifying the Father. And so it was the very same when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, as Jesus reminded one of the sisters Lazarus had in Chapter 11 and verse 40 of John's Gospel, Jesus says, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Notice again, it's all about the glory of God. That was always the focus of our Lord's life. He didn't live so as to make a reputation for himself, but that God's name should always be glorified. That was never more true than in relation to his death, which was the reason why he'd come and about which he had this to say. John 12, verse 27. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. God's name was glorified in the life and death of his holy servant Jesus, who could say rightly, in summing up his own life in prayer to God his Father, in chapter 17, verse 4, I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. This was the chief end of the perfect man. He had glorified God throughout his entire life. In this, Christ has set an example for us. For it's also God's desire that over all of our lives, now as well as in eternity, the banner should be for the glory of God. I know of no better section in the Bible to use to support that thought than the paragraph with which Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus begins. From Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. You'll have noticed that expression, which occurred there no less than three times, and with which it ended, 
to the praise of God's glory. God's eternal purpose in human creation is that we should be eternally to the praise of his glory, trophies of divine grace. So indeed, man's chief end is to glorify God. Knowing this to be true, we should make it our aim that everything we do should be for the glory of God. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul referenced eating and drinking simply because that's what he was dealing with at that moment. But it's generally true that the glory of God is intended to be the ruling motive in the Christian's life, not just our having our own way about our own whims and preferences. In addition, there are specific areas we can concentrate on that really bring glory to God. The words of the Lord Jesus, our great example, as recorded in John's Gospel, give us a couple of these. Jesus said, John 14 verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in chapter 15 verse 7 we read, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. In other words, a life of prayer that aims at fruitful service for God is sure to bring glory to God. And so, our look today at living for God's glory alone, solely Deo Gloria, brings this present series to a conclusion. What higher achievement can there be in life than to bring glory to God, the God who made us, loves us, and gave his own Son to die for us, in order that we might be made his children, his family? Now, this is your last opportunity to send for the free booklet available for this series, and if you'd like one or more for group study, 
Please contact us and ask any questions or make any comments at the same time if you wish. Now, to obtain the free booklet, ask for the title Five Sacred Solos and you can contact us at Search for Truth, PO Box 111, Lee, spelt L E I G H, and the postcode is WN7 1WJ, England. Now, if you prefer to use email, the address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may also wish to visit our website. You can find it at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Now, that's the end of this series. I hope you've enjoyed it if you've been following over the last few weeks. And you can hear some of Brian's talks from other past series if you go onto our website. The address again is www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Next week, we'll be starting a new series, and I hope you can join us. Until next time, then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our Welsh singers, and me, John Martin. Thanks for listening, and may God richly bless you.